Hi everyone, it's great to have you here at Undone and to be sharing with you in the Supernatural series. And as Denny reminded us last week, um, really this series should be called Natural because as followers of Jesus, we live in a supernatural world and that's our default. He also reminded us that the kingdom of God is here. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus says, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. It's good news that we live in the kingdom. And we're going to be talking about miracles and miracles part in that kingdom tonight. God's kingdom is here. Jesus is operating and he is asking us to be part of his kingdom. The kingdom is beyond the physical. It's beyond what we see and touch and smell but sometimes it is what we sense. And it's exciting to imagine uh, what that's like to be living in a kingdom where more than what we see is possible. The Holy Spirit empowers each one of us for his purposes, not necessarily for what we can get or become or be or be seen to be, but to participate with God's purposes in the kingdom. When God, uh, when Jesus went back to heaven, he sent a helper and the Holy Spirit is here. And as a Christian, our life is not just about knowing Jesus lives in us, but in joining God in his kingdom work. So what are miracles? There's uh, a few different contexts that we use the word in. For example, it's a miracle that my children end up getting dressed and getting to school with clean teeth on a weekday morning. It's a miracle that we get to use Zoom and see each other on a computer screen when um, my parents' generation only saw that on a sci-fi movie. Uh, it's a miracle that this cake worked and is delicious. But tonight I want to use um, a definition as we talk about God's supernatural work on this earth. And that definition is this. A miracle is an event where God does something extraordinary by circumventing the natural order of the world he created. Our world works in an orderly fashion. That's how God created it. Uh, discoveries in science, and as we've explored more, has shown us that so many things in this world work in a very ordered pattern. Uh, we are born and our body goes through certain changes and then we die. Um, our plants and our weather and our seasons all are predictable patterns. But at moments, God chooses to interrupt or to intervene in that pattern and change that for his purposes. Miracles or supernatural signs have been part of the way that God works since the Old Testament. And it's a way that he's communicated with his people. So he brought the, the Hebrews out of Egypt, out from slavery, and he set them in front of this sea that was unpassable and he split the ocean in front of their eyes. And he said to them, I am a God who is able to take care of you. And then he fed them in the desert and he got water from a rock. And he said, I'm the God who can provide for you even in a desert. And he set himself upon a mountain of, with fire and smoke and he said, I am your God. He continued to reveal himself by using signs that got their attention, but also revealed something about who he was. 
Jesus also used supernatural signs and miracles to communicate who he was and who God was in the New Testament, and we get to experience and read those as well. And I want to share with you two truths about miracles. There are more, of course, but these ones I want to leave with you. The first is that miracles are signs that reveal truths about Jesus. And the second one is that miracles are signs that bring glory to God. Now, in New Testament times, there were many people that went around performing signs and miracles, most often for money. They were paid to create a spectacle. But Jesus' miracles were different because they revealed truth and Jesus spoke truth into those miracles and they brought glory to God, not glory to himself. So in the Gospel of John from chapter 2 to 12, he writes about um, a number of these interactions and signs that Jesus had with the religious people of the day, with people he met in the streets, uh, with his disciples. And uh, John sort of puts them in this uh, rhythm. So Jesus would uh, go to a place or see somebody and he'd have an interaction with them or perform a sign and there'd be some controversy and misunderstanding afterwards. And then the person or people that saw those things would be left with a choice. Do I believe what has just happened? Do I believe Jesus or do I choose not to? And over and over in this first half of the Gospel of John, we see this pattern. And it'd be good to unpack maybe three of these right now to see how Jesus used his signs. So the first one is the wedding. Uh, this is a really familiar um, even phrase that we use today, turning water into wine. So Jesus was at a wedding and the wine ran out, disaster. And his mum said, Jesus, can you do something about this? And he said yes, and he did. One of his first recorded miracles, he turned vats of holy water into wine. And they took them out to the host of the wedding and he tested the wine and he said, this is amazing. Most people bring the cheap wine out at the end because everyone's already had a bit to drink and won't notice, but this wine is the best now, it's a great story about Jesus providing at the wedding, but what truth does it reveal about God's kingdom? Well, it reveals that he is generous, that God's kingdom is a kingdom of generosity. In Isaiah, in the old part of the Bible, there's a prophecy that says that the Messiah's kingdom that is to come in the future will be a party or a banquet where the best meat and the best wine is provided. So by Jesus producing this best wine, it was a little clue that God's kingdom would be a kingdom of generosity. The second one was when Jesus went uh, to the temple and he healed a paralyzed man on the Sabbath. So the Sabbath was the holy day for um, the Hebrews and you could not do any work on this day. It was just not done. It was a commandment not to work on the Sabbath. And Jesus healed a man. The religious leaders were furious, very upset. But Jesus uh, responded like this. He said, my father is working and so am I. Which sounds pretty, you know, not very important. But the religious leaders realized that what Jesus was saying is, first of all, God is my father and I am his son, and we are both doing these things. In other words, I am just like God. 
which was crazy for anyone to say. So this truth, uh, this sign revealed that he was the son of God. Amazing. The next one uh, was about bread. So Jesus was teaching people uh, and there were thousands of them there. They got hungry because they'd been there for so long. And Jesus uh, fed them with five loaves and two fishes. It was a miracle. He made an abundance of food. And um, the uh, disciples said to him after this had happened in John uh, chapter 6, Jesus said to them, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread of heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives you life to the world. Jesus is saying, I'm the bread. And they say, sir, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is revealing that he is the bread of life and that people that believe in him will never be hungry or thirsty. They will live for eternity with him. An amazing truth revealed by this sign of feeding the hungry people. If you want to uh, look at more of these, you can go to the Bible Project on YouTube, have a look at the Gospel of John and he'll take you through all of those. It's a great video. So I want to ask us two questions to answer tonight. One is, does God still do miracles today? The second question is, should we pray for them? Should we pray and ask God for miracles? Uh, to help answer this question, I want to introduce you to my friend Andrew. He's going to share his story with us. Andrew has just finished studying with us at Worldview Centre for Intercultural Studies, where my husband Danny and I uh, work and train people uh, in Christian studies. And he's preparing to start a new ministry in sports chaplaincy. So let's hear his story now. Here's Andrew. I'd like you to introduce you to my friend Andrew. Andrew uh, lives here at Worldview Centre for Intercultural Studies, where uh, Danny and I live and work. And Andrew has just completed his studies with us here. And uh, I wanted to introduce you to him because he has um, a great story of God using miracles in Andrew and through Andrew. And uh, to start with, we're going to hear a bit of Andrew's story. Uh, it's a long story, but we'll hit the snapshot and uh, we'll talk about how miracles um, were part of your life and still are. Yeah. Well, in the sense of, of miracle, you've, you've got to understand um, I was an alcoholic. Um, I was for 25 years. And when you're an alcoholic, um, addiction is the number one aspect of your life. It takes over everything in your life. Um, in the you don't think of anything else but the first waking moment of where's your next drink. and uh, You don't really care how you, you get your drink, you manipulate any situation you're in to get what you want. And that's, that's the profound thing of the miracle that, um, that God did in my life. Um, I'd gone through rehab three times at a personal level as a voluntary level and I'd walk into rehab I'd sometimes one of the times I spent 12 months in rehab and I'd walk out of there and being clean for 12 months I'd last 15 minutes and I'd be in the pub and I'd be drinking heavier than I was previous to going into the rehab it got to that point where I'd given up um, I'd, I couldn't do it myself 
Um, I'd come to, the, come to the decision in my life that that's the way I was going to die. I was going to die an alcoholic. And, and the faster I did that, the better. And so my drinking became very, very bad, very serious. Three cartons a day, and if you can understand, 72 stubbies a day, it's a lot of alcohol. And your body just cannot continue that for very long. I uh, got to the point where I really was being a menace to society, menace to community. Um, the police couldn't charge me with anything, so, but they could put me into rehab as a forced rehab for six months. Uh, so they did that. And I'd been in rehab for about three months, and the only person that could visit me was my mother. Uh, I couldn't get out of rehab at, at that stage. And about three months in, my mum come and visit me, and she, she every every time she visited me on the Saturday morning, she talked about Jesus. And at that stage, I didn't believe there was a God. And I said to her that if she kept talking about Jesus to me, I didn't want her in my life. <coughs> and to her, that was pretty hard to hear. And at that same time, the rehab, I built up enough credit in the rehab, or enough brownie points to be let out for two hours on a Sunday and the only way I could get out the rehab on Sunday was my mother and go to church um, I'd never been in a church before I never stepped foot into a church so I thought well I'm going to make this really hard for mum so I dressed in just the t-shirt with my tattoos all hanging out my piercings all through my head and pair of thongs and I went to church and I sat right at the back of the church, pretty well to the point where I was just inside the doors. And the whole time that uh, the pastor was doing the sermon, I can remember the voices in the back of my head saying, shut up, just leave me alone, shut up and leave me alone. And at the end of the, end of the uh, service, I, I said to God, I said, God, well, you had your chance. You'll never get me back through the doors of the church. And that was it. Mum dropped me back at rehab and I didn't have much thought of that. And as I was saying, addiction is constant. that constant, where's my next drink, where's my next drink, where's my next drink. Well, I got a good night's sleep that night and I woke up the next morning and that had gone. The thought of where's my next drink, where's... And I didn't realise I didn't realise it was gone, but my day was weird. I, I, it's like I'd lost my best friend and I couldn't, I couldn't understand why. I realised I didn't have that thought of my drink and I thought, well, that's pretty profound. And Tuesday I woke up, the same thing. And I said, no, there's something wrong with me. So I went to, I went to the, the office and said, take me to the doctors. Uh, there's something wrong with me. So I went to the doctors and they're... His, um, his way of dealing with what I was going through was uh, to prescribe me more drugs. And I said, no, this is not what I need in life. I don't need more. There's got to be a different answer than that. And he said, well, you're, you're, we've got you there by court order and we will force you to have this, these medication. I said, well, you can try your best. I'm not taking them. So I went back to the rehab that Tuesday afternoon. I said, throw all my medication in the bin. And they had me on 
anti-psych medication, anti-depressants, anti-anxieties, and I stopped taking them from that day. And they, they were going to force me to take them, but they, they come to the conclusion that he's going to die anyway. He's he's on his last, he's on his last kick. And so they didn't didn't force me to take the medication, but I'd had no adverse effects from stopping the medication from that day. But dude, end of the week, I still didn't have these thoughts of alcohol in my head. I started questioning my own belief systems. I said, maybe there is a God. So <laughs> I rang mum up on the Friday and said, mum, come pick me up, I'll go to church with you on Sunday. And she nearly fell off a chair. And I went to church that Sunday and I gave my life to Jesus and my whole life changed. I used to spit on people. I used to grab chairs and wrap them around their head before I'd talk to them or before I'd even acknowledge them. And from that day, I started showing love to people. And it was just such a profound... Like, I really can't describe the feeling. It was just... It was like euphoria. And my life had, had meaning. And I'd done my, done my six months in the rehab and I took a Bible. The first... When I gave my life to Jesus, I, took, I got a Bible from the church and... And I started preaching the Bible on the Monday morning the next day. And they thought I'd all gone insane and they wanted to put me into a mental institution. But uh, they let me go because, you know, he, he's not doing any damage. <coughs> and after, the, after I'd done the six months there, they didn't want to get rid of me. They said, no, you've you got to stay. You, the, the rehab's changed. So I went to college and, and got a, um, a diploma in community services and did my voluntary work for the uh, for the rehab and after I got that they wanted to employ me and I said no I'm, I'll do this voluntary and they thought I was more so insane I said no well this is this is for God I want to do this for God and they, like I said they just didn't understand that at all being a secular rehab but so I worked there for three years on a voluntary term going in every day for for seven eight hours a day and just talking the word to people, just trying to share the love of Jesus. And then Tasmania came up, and I've only been a Christian now for just on six and a half years, So, and I've been here for nearly three years in Tasmania, so I'd, at a point, I'd, everything I did had Tasmania on it, had Tasmania involved with it. And I'd never been to Tasmania. I'd been Darwin or Northern Territory most of my life. And I thought, well, I went to my pastor at the church and said, what's Tasmania? God keeps showing me Tasmania. And he goes, oh, there's a Bible college in Tasmania and it seems you're sharing the Bible with everybody. How about you uh, go and study so you get a better foundation in it? I thought, okay. So I rang up Worldview and two weeks later, I'd signed the papers, put my keys in my car and was heading to Tasmania. <laughs> so, yeah, obedience and faith. And miracles. And miracles, yeah. And um, Christy was talking, we were talking earlier about miracles and that, and prior to me being a Christian, um, there's many a times where I'd come close to death. Um, when you're an alcoholic, you suffer from esophagus varices there. It's built up of... Um, of blood in your esophagus 
um, like veins in your in your esophagus, and they explode and you bleed out. You you die from it. Not many people survive um, a bleed out. And I bled out three times through mine. And one of the times that it happened was I was fishing about 200 kilometres out of Darwin with a couple of friends, and we'd been drinking all day and. On the way home, I started to vomit blood, and I, to the point where I'd vomited so much blood, I'd passed out. I'd become unconscious, and my heartbeat was very low, and they didn't know it. There was no one around. This it was in the middle of nowhere, and we got to. They got to the road, the main road, which is about 150 kilometres from Darwin, and you'd probably see one car every hour, if lucky if you're lucky. And they sat there on the side of the road, they didn't know what to do, and an ambulance come along, middle of nowhere, and saved my life. And this is something that, you know, it's coincidence. It's a, but when I look back at it, God had a hand in it. He wasn't gonna let me die. <laughs> and I think right through my life, like I've, I've survived cancer, um, I've survived massive car accidents, and where people should be dead, and it just, I'm still here, and yeah, yeah. So Andrew, if we took a photo of you in at the height of your addiction, and a photo of you now, and compared them, what would we see? You see two entirely different people yeah. you know you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to recognize either photo yeah. well you recognize the one now but you certainly wouldn't recognize the one back then yeah. Yeah. what's the greatest miracle God's done in your life allowed me to have love for somebody else and love for other people um, love for him um, it's even worth, worth in life. Wow, thank you, Andrew, for your story. Um, an amazing testimony of how God has used miracles to bring someone to himself and others to himself as Andrew shares his story, often with people. So let's go back to those questions that we talked about before. Does God still do miracles today? The answer is yes, he absolutely does. We saw that from Andrew's testimony. Bringing God's kingdom here, God's Holy Spirit is at work. Missionaries that live and work in difficult parts of the world like East Asia, Africa, South America, Eastern Europe will tell you stories of miraculous healings, people being raised from the dead, supernatural provision, people being released from prison, whole villages coming to know Jesus, Muslims seeing Jesus in their dreams and saying, come to me. God is doing miracles today. These are stories from just months ago. Miracles are also seen in answered prayer. And so many of our hope stories that we share with you at our morning service at Undone are miraculous ways that God has intervened in his natural world to create amazing stories. I think back to Paris's hope story of how God intervened so often through her young life to bring her to a place of knowing Jesus. 
I can testify to miraculous provision uh, in my family, in my life. Uh, when God has provided money where there seemed to be no possibility for money to be provided. And I've seen him uh, provide direction when we absolutely needed it. God is doing miracles every day. The second question is, do I need to pray for miracles? The answer is yes. Yes, we do. Andrew's mother prayed for miracles. She had no other option. Andrew was hopeless. But God's supernatural in intervention was the only hope for him. And his mum had answered prayer. I'm sure there were other people also praying for miracles in Andrew's life. The four Gospels show us that Jesus used supernatural signs to bring people to him, to reveal the truth of who he was to people. And I would encourage you, I'd invite you to read the Gospel of Mark this week. Miracle after miracle after miracle in the early parts of Mark reveal who Jesus was and saw people coming to faith in him. As we live in God's kingdom, we can ask the Holy Spirit to empower us to bring about his purposes for his glory. And his purpose is to bring all people to know him. That's what he desires, and we can partner with him in that. I want to read from John uh, chapter 8 and verse 36. It says, So if the Son sets you free, if Jesus has set you free, you'll be free indeed. He leads us to a life of amazing freedom. If we go over then uh, to Galatians, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, your natural self. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. God's freedom, living in him, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, saves us, but for reaching others. Jesus sent his disciples to bring people to repentance, and they did many signs along the way under the authority of Jesus. And we can read about that in Mark. In chapter 6, it says um, in verse 7, Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve disciples to him. He began to send out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. Down to verse 12, They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and appointed many sick people, anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. These were new disciples of Jesus. And he said, Go encourage people to have faith in me to repent and heal them and they did the disciples empowered by jesus did many signs many miracles and they're all through um, the gospel of mark there are other miracles that jesus talked about in his teachings that are supernatural and they mightn't all sound like miraculous outward signs but they certainly are supernatural our salvation Andrew talked about the fact that his salvation was miraculous. We are spiritually dead, scripture says, and he raises us to life 
It's miraculous that we are spiritually alive in Jesus when we're saved. Forgiveness is miraculous when Jesus and his Holy Spirit helps us forgive there's restoration in our spirit. There's restoration in relationship. That's miraculous. Andrew, in his story, talked about the ability to love. It's miraculous. And even more so when Jesus says, love your enemy. The ability that the Holy Spirit gives us to love unlovable people is miraculous. And we get to experience that as children of God. We get to share that with others, maybe even with our enemies. Jesus' birth and death made this possible. His kingdom come has made this possible, that we can live in a supernatural context and see the signs reveal the truth to people about who he is. This is where Jesus wants us to live in freedom, in the Holy Spirit. And my invitation to you is to ask the Lord to reveal to you the fact that he's a supernatural God, that he's supernaturally sufficient, that he's supernaturally powerful, that he's supernaturally providing, that he heals supernaturally. And that's your God, the God of the supernatural signs and miracles. Can I pray for you now? Jesus, thank you that you have restored your kingdom, that we get to participate with you and your Holy Spirit, with God the Father, in what you do, and that's to bring people close to you. Thank you that you've done that for so many of us here at Undone tonight. You have drawn us to yourself. It's miraculous that we live in you and you live in us. Thank you for that miracle. And God, there are people right now listening who need a miracle from you. And Lord, I ask that you would give them the confidence to pray. You would give them the faith to seek that miracle, to ask. Lord, would you give them the encouragement to say, God, would you intervene in this natural world with your supernatural power, authority, and spirit? Heavenly Father, I ask that you would encourage the spirits of each person listening tonight and for those that listen in the future. Would you encourage them to pray for healing, to pray for provision, to pray for more faith? Lord, I would encourage them to pray that they could love where it seemed impossible, that they could pray to miraculously forgive where it seemed like a ridiculous thought. How could I ever forgive that person? Lord, you can do that miraculously. For people that feel unlovable, would you do the miracle of showing them that you love them. Thank you, God. Thank you for your presence tonight, and we ask this in your name. Amen.